We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We are live here on a Monday, which of course means it's time for some Notre Dame football mailbag. Everybody in the chat gets to lead the conversation today. If it's your first time doing a mailbag with us, please, when you leave a comment and a question, put an MB or a mailbag in the beginning of it so we know that we can distinguish between what is a mailbag question and what is just general chatter. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I am joined by Brian Driscoll, the publisher here at IrishBreakdown.com. I am Ryan Roberts, and we're ready to handle your guys' questions. Notre Dame-centric, college football-centric, everything and anything you want to talk about today here on a Monday. We start off with a super chat from Hulk Strongest. Hulk Strongest, thank you so much for the super chat. Very, very much appreciated. Hey, Brian, I didn't see or hear you respond to the idiots, Paul Feinbaum and Smith. Uh, Stephen A. Smith would like to hear you talk. The 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 that's what they want though, right? I mean, here, here's the thing: if 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 we all get so frustrated with the stupid comments that they make, this is exactly why they do it, so that people like us will run to our shows and our channels and 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 say how stupid they are and dumb they are and shallow they are. They already know that; like, they're not actually giving you real analysis. And I don't know why anyone would care what Stephen A. Smith has to say about football. Right. But like I've I've ignored on the show. Now, Ryan, I did make a general pushback article today. So I have written about this. I literally wrote about this before I launched this show. Uh, So you must you must have missed that article. You can find it at irishbreakdown.com. And it's also on the message board at boards at irishbreakdown.com. You can find it there, too. So I did push back against the general narrative, which is it's just laziness. Ryan. that's really what it is. It's laziness. And it's a it's taking the, the the biggest brand in all of sport, college sports, and saying, hey, let's poke the bear because, you know, it's a slow time of the year and we need to generate clicks and discussion. And then we as Notre Dame fans fall for it every single time. And so we try to ignore it on the show. I know that Sean and those guys talked about it, but they can talk about whatever they're allowed to talk about. But I chose to ignore it because I don't want to give them the oxygen. But then what happens? We do a mailbag and it gets asked about, which I'm Hulk, I'm totally fine with you asking about it. It's just – but this is why they do what they do. If you start ignoring them and you just don't give it any oxygen, then it becomes less of a topic of conversation. But think of all the clicks and all the downloads and all the social media interaction that drives up revenue that they've gotten from these ridiculous comments. And then, then of course, it becomes groupthink. Well, I don't want ESPN to be the only ones that you know makes money off this. So somebody from Barstool makes a stupid comment. Somebody from some other site makes a stupid comment. And then now that's all we're talking about all week. When there's far more important things I'd rather talk about than this nonsense, right? Yeah. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations where it, it's just it's such a contradictory conversation because they always phrase it the same exact way. Is Notre Dame even relevant anymore? And you're just like, brother, you're literally taking time to talk about them. So you just proved that they are relevant. <laughs> it's just so contradictory. I mean, look, I just hope that Notre Dame can end the conversation here for the next couple of years, win a national championship so people can just stop feeding into this stupid conversation. But you're ultimately disproving your point in your standpoint when you start talking about it by acting like Notre Dame isn't relevant. Well, the other, the other part of it too, Ryan, is it, if you want to have an honest conversation about where Notre Dame is a program and you say, hey, listen, I don't think Notre Dame can win a championship anymore you know, in the current landscape of college football. And then make your case. You know, you're, 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 there's not as much talent generated in the North as there was in the 60s, 70s, and 80s when Notre Dame was winning titles. Okay. That's a, like a, that's a legitimate an analysis argument to make. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame is committed to winning a championship up until recently, the last couple months, that had been a valid argument to make. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame can consistently recruit in the areas where the best players typically come from based on data for NFL draft rankings or NFL pro bowls or whatever the case, you know, college all Americans, whatever the case may be. There are, there are conversations we can have about Notre Dame standing in the college football world which would be fair and fair game. And, 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 and you know, I, I would then I would have my pushback. We know how State went 31 or 32 years between titles between 1970 and 2002. Georgia went, I think, what, 30? Georgia went over 40 years between titles in 1980 and 2021. Uh, Clemson went uh, longer than what Notre Dame's currently going through. They won a title in 1981 and didn't win again until 2016, which, again, long time. 35 years, actually right about where Notre Dame is now. I mean, so we can have this conversation. Texas A&M always gets talked about. They haven't won a title since before World War II started for the United States anyway. And, and so we can have these conversations about what keeps Notre Dame from being in that same, hey, I don't think Notre Dame's ever going to be as good as Bama and Georgia and Ohio State. Okay, I agree to disagree, but we can have a rational conversation where, where people could learn something about it. But that's not what ESPN is about anymore, Ryan. That's not what Barstool Sports is about. That's not what a lot of these sites are about anymore. That's not what OutKick the coverage is about. They're not about giving you honest analysis. They're about taking talking points and things that piss people off and drive clicks. We don't do real analysis anymore. People got mad when J.J. Reddick said this the other day, but he was 100% correct. If he goes out and gives you the best thorough breakdown, if I – I, and I know this because I see the views of, the, of the, the, the stories we write. If I write a story or make a post breaking down Notre Dame's run game, it may get five, six, seven clicks. If I go say something like, you know, take a shot at Tom Loy or take a shot at a national person for some reason, right, just being petty and just wanting to, you know, just to start something, it'll have 15, 20 pages of responses within an hour. It'll it'll get all these clicks and and. It, you know, so they do it because that's what we, the people, ask for. You know, why does the media act the way they do when it comes to politics? Why do politicians act the way they do? Because that's what we allow them to do by our responses to it. So at the end of the day, we can get mad at these people all we want. But you know what would make them change if we stopped watching until they did better? But we won't. And so they'll keep doing stuff like this because at the end of the day, it's all about making money and clicks and having a rational conversation about sports 
does not drive revenue, sadly, in this day and age. It just doesn't. So just so you guys understand, we have a little bit of a delay. Ryan's mic is a little bit delayed, so there may be a couple times where I don't know if he's responding or waiting on the next question. So we'll, 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 we're will we'll going we're going to power through it. We're going to power through it best we can. We had another super chat from Rob Osgood. Thank you so much, Rob. Great article about OCMD. Mike oh, Denbrock. Mike Denbrock. Sorry. Oh, Mike Denbrock. Is it me or does it seem like balance or do, oh, sorry, or does he like balance or does he attack the weakness until they stop it? He said he can run or pass 50 times. Well, Rob, I think those two things go hand in hand, right? I mean, balance is about like, here's what balance doesn't mean. We're going to go into a game and we're going to run the ball 35 times and we're going to throw the ball 35 times, or we're going to run for 250 yards. We're going to pass for 250 yards. That's that balance can manifest itself that way at times, but that's not what balance means when coaches talk about it. When a coach talks about balance, it means I can go out there any given week and I can beat you running the football or throwing the football. And, and what that means is if, if you have a team that's really weak running the ball, you know, defending the run, then we may run it down your throat or you you may be bad at running the, you know stopping the run so you're going to have to commit so many resources to uh, to our run get offense because we're so good at it that we can then rip you up in the throwing game or you may have a pretty stout run defense but not a very good pass defense and we're going to come out this week and we may we only run the ball 135 yards because we only rush it 25 times but we're going to throw for 350 on you and smoke you and then there's weeks where we do both against you. That that's what true balance is when coaches talk about balance, Ryan. It's not so much that it's a 50-50 split. It just means we're good at it either way and we can beat yep. you either way. And we can game plan you either way. Because if you're not balanced, what happens is you may be really good at running football, but if you can't if you can't throw to football, you're going to play a team that's pretty good against the run and you can't do anything about it. Go look at Georgia 2017. Notre Dame could not there were so many open receivers against Georgia in 2017, but they couldn't hit them or they balls got dropped. And so Georgia said, hey, we're going to commit all of our resources to stopping the run against this team that we watched rush for, what, 450 yards or something like that in the opener. And we're, you know what I mean? And so we're going to come out and we're going to say, we're going to stop this. We're going to make Brandon Wimbush beat us on the football. They couldn't, right? So you're going to play teams that are good enough to do that. And then you play a team that's really good throwing the football and then you're good enough to slow them down and then you can't run the ball, so you get beat. And at the end of the day, that's where balance comes from. No matter what you think you're good at, we're going to have an answer for you. And that's what Mike Dembrock's thing is. And, and the makeup of the team will impact that too, right? We, we have great rushing talent, but we can't really throw the football all that great. Okay, you got to figure out ways to make the most of it. But at the end of the day, the goal is to recruit to and coach to a team that's dangerous running the football and dangerous passing the football, danger being you're dynamic and you're efficient, right? Efficiency and explosiveness. That's what we talk about all the time. That's what the end game is. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to be a balanced threat at the end of the day, right? So for if I'm a defense when I'm playing against an offense, it's not about a 50-50 split and this number, that number. It's that they can hurt me in both those areas. And honest, obviously, most defensive coordinators are going to try to take one part away. They're always going to try to take a part away because that's just kind of foundationally what makes most sense, right? You're, be- you're better at running the football than you are run- than throwing the football, potentially. I'm going to stop you in the run game and force you to pass. The best teams are the balanced teams that can hurt you in both capacities, right? So I actually think, Rob, that that speaks to balance more. Like I, The fact that he says that that I will do either in, in any game, throw the ball 50 times or run the ball 50 times, that actually tells me that they are going to be a balanced attack because that shows that when they're taking away something, you're not afraid to go at something else, right? And to be able to take advantage of a situation that they're not ready for. So I think that actually is the definition of balance is having the ability to do both things equally, well, not equally as well, or close to equally as well. So yeah, I think that is balance. And that's why I'm excited with Coach Denbrock because Notre Dame at times the last couple of years, even when it's been good, you've watched games where you're just like, that's a really good running team at times, a passing game, it's just, Hasn't been up to snub to, you know, more often than not. It just hasn't been up to that standard. So having a balanced attack where you can equally affect a defensive coordinator's mindset, run or pass game, that's where the threat becomes. And thank you for the super chat, Rob. Appreciate that very, very much. We had another super chat from John A1. John, thank you so much for the super chat. It's always appreciated. What is your favorite NCAA football mode, dynasty or Heisman career mode? If you play Dynasty, did you create a team or ju- or use a non-Notre Dame team? I either did Notre Dame or I'd create a team. 
that's where and i was dynasty guy like i've i've joked about this like i always my dream as a kid was not to play in the nfl my dream or, or to play at notre dame my dream as a kid was to coach in the nfl or coach at notre dame that was my dream as a kid i've always been a guy that liked the x's and o's part of it i don't not sure why but so so like Heisman mode, I'd do it every now and then, but it just it wasn't as fun for me. Dynasty mode was a lot more fun. I just I liked the recruiting aspect of it. I liked the building up players, trying to convince guys not to transfer. I mean, that all that stuff to me was fun the last time I played it. So I don't know what the new game is going to look like, but I'm a I'm a dynasty mode guy through and through, Ryan. And I would either be yeah. like I said, Notre Dame or or I'd create a team. I liked both. I, I think that I I don't know if I would say I liked one over the other. Like, I mean, honestly, I rocked with both aspects of it. The one cool thing about Heisman mode is there was at least one or two of the games where you could do your Heisman mode until the end of your career. And then you could actually get that into Madden somehow, right? Like you could download it into Madden so you can kind of continue the career, which is, I thought was pretty dope. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, like when I was in just dynasty mode, I use Notre Dame sometimes I used other teams as well I, I I used to be that weird kid that used to like to take like a group of five team like Akron or something and just build them up you know what I mean like just try try to have that challenge in front of you like well this team stinks but I'm gonna make them really good that reminds me Ryan one of the fun things I would do is you would take a team and like then you get to Notre Dame right by because remember the, I just jogged my memory that they had this in the last few games I don't know if they had this in the last version of the game Remember, you'd get offered jobs in the offseason and you could take jobs. So like if you started with like yeah. Marshall or Toledo or something like that. So uh, I would do that with the school that I started. So like I would be at the, the, the school, the, the fake school that I started every now and then I'd pick another team. But I would take the team that I started and then, you know, win with it, join a conference. And then you could join you could change leagues. Remember that you could like you could start as an independent or a Sun Belt or whatever, whoever you replaced, because you started the team, you had to replace somebody. So you join their conference and then you could build yourself up and your team gets invited to the whatever. So I would either try to build my program up to join a bigger power five, or I don't know if they were, were they called that at the time? I don't remember. It's been a long time. Or you'd get hired at another job. That was part of the fun too. So I don't, I don't remember like, cause you had the big East back then. So I don't even really remember what it was called, but what we know now is to be a power five team. So the, there was, I hope that all that stuff is still there because mm -hmm. that stuff was fun. I mean, it, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. We had another super chat from Tyler Evans. Thank you so much, Tyler. He said, give me your top three games this upcoming season. You're pumped to watch as a fan. Oh, I mean, there's, there's no way to limit it to just three Tyler. Like in what I mean by that is I don't know which three that I can pick more than others. I mean, You've got Texas playing at Michigan. You know, Texas and Michigan have only played once in college football history, and that was, a, I think it was the 03, 04 Rose Bowl. It's Vince Young against Chad Henney, I believe, is who was the quarterback for that Michigan team. And that's it. I mean, that'll be a big game. I'm looking forward to Georgia-Clemson. I really want to see what Clemson's going to be about this year. Really curious to see that game, for example. Uh, some of the new conference games are going to be interesting. I think Ohio State and, or and Oregon play again this year. Georgia and Alabama play in the regular season against each other this year. So, you know, there's a lot of games that I'm looking forward to, to watching this year o on top of, you know, the Notre Dame games that we're going to see this year. But uh, I, I think this year is going to be unique, too, because you are going to see a lot of the – you know, the, the new conference stuff is going to create some interesting matchups that early on will be kind of enticing and intriguing, but like anything else, we'll just eventually, um, eventually you're just going to get to the point where it's like, okay, Oregon and Ohio State are playing again. But early on, the Texas-Michigan game, the Washington-Michigan game, the Oregon-Ohio State game, those things are going to be very interesting and intriguing, and I'm looking forward to, to watching those games. I, I think they're going to be fun. I do. And I'm just trying to think of some of the non-conference games that we're going to see this year. Uh, like, I, you know, obviously Notre Dame, Florida State, but here, let me let me pull this up because they're well. I'll I'll do it another time. But I, I put a post up this on the board and I went through it all. But there's some really good games this year. I mentioned some of them already: Georgia, Clemson, Texas, Michigan, games like that. Uh, LSU plays. Who does LSU play in the? I think USC, LSU, USC in the opener. I'm very curious to see what those two teams are going to be about this year. I have. I have big question marks about both teams, but I also think both teams, if a couple things can go right, could be pretty good this year. I think USC is going to be is going to bounce back. I've made the argument, and I was talking with Sean Davis about this the other day. And I don't know if we did this on the show or if this was something he and I just did in a private conversation. 
But I said, actually, I think USC has a chance to be better this year without Caleb Williams. And it's not a shot at Caleb Williams at all. It, it, and like the whole thing about, well, Miller Moss did this in the system, so it shows that it's a system-driven thing. And I, I think that's utter nonsense. It can be, but you have to open up your eyes sometimes and be like, that's pretty special. That's why so many people missed on Pat Mahomes. They saw the numbers and just like, well, it's a system quarterback. Well, I don't care about the system. Look at the throws he's making. And I felt too often last year, especially last year, I felt too often that you saw, you, you just saw too much of Lincoln Riley putting to me too much on Caleb Williams' shoulders. Not enough running the football, you know, not enough balance. You know, the tempo w- was was continued to push even when the defense clearly needed a breather. It was just, we got Caleb, so let's do whatever. And I think that hurt the team. And and that's not Caleb's fault. That's Lincoln Riley's fault. So I don't – this isn't a, oh, they're going to be better because Caleb is gone, and it's because Caleb is gone that they're better. It's because Caleb's gone, it's going to force Lincoln Riley, in my opinion, to put a more balanced product on the field, balance not just run pass, but also balance from the standpoint of allowing the defense to be be a greater part of your preparation going into a game where – you know, in the past, everything was built around, you know, what was best for the offense. Well, I don't know that you're going to continue to do that if if you're Deon, you're bringing in DeAnton Lynn and and Doug Belk and and teams like coaches like that. So, you know, I I think those are those are aspects of it to where I actually think USC is going to be a pretty good football team this year. I, I really do. And but a couple things have to you know happen and and change for that to become the case. And so. That LSU-USC game early in the year, I think it's in Las Vegas, is going to make for a very, very intriguing game, in my opinion. Very intriguing game. And I think that is it for the Super Chat. So let's jump back up here to the top. We got one from Quinn Kibler. Quinn says, what running back will be the best compliment to Riley Leonard's game? Might be all. Just kind of curious on you seeing the load sharing going, how, how you seeing the load sharing going, and if the different QB style is a factor. Well, I mean... I'm going to go with all, or at least some combination of Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price. And, and here's a couple reasons for it. Because they complement him differently. And I don't know that one is better than the other. I think what complements Riley the best is that unique combination of skills. So with Jadarian, you have more of a pure running back. You have a guy that's that can do some things in the pass game. He can catch the screen game. He can catch some quick game. He can do some different things where you can get him the football on some different routes. I mean, we saw him in high school catching seam routes. I don't, that's not really something you're going to do with him a ton at Notre Dame. Outside of like, you know, the occasional, hey, we see something open, let's take advantage of it and get that one big play. It's not something you're going to do all the time. You know, but check down, screen game, things like that. But he's a pure runner. He's a between the tackles runner. He can get outside. I mean, he is a running back. He's a pure running back. And, and then he, he is a guy that, to me, is a, a really dangerous inside zone duo counter runner, which complements Riley really well because you can do some a lot of stuff off the RPO game, which forces teams to kind of bring their 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 alley coverage in a little bit or their, or their third-level coverage down a little bit, which opens up some opportunities for Riley to get some one-on-ones in the throwing game. Those guys may crash off the edge, cheat inside. Those are things that then open up opportunities for Riley in the running game with the read concepts, you know, a guy like, you know, a guy like uh, Jadarian Price, then also he's a bit more of a hammer. He can take some of that burden off of Riley where then you can run some different concepts with him. Then you put Jeremiah Love in the game. Jeremiah can do, can, can do the inside zone and, and counter and, and duo type of stuff as well. But the mistake that I think Jared Parker made last year, and, and I like Jared Parker. I mean, you don't, you don't have the numbers they had last year by accident, but I didn't think he was creative enough with his other running backs not named Audric Estime. And I thought not using Jeremiah Love the right way to me was just one less weapon that you were taking advantage of. And when we see Jeremiah in the game, he'd do two things. He'd run between the tackles and he'd run wheel routes. That's it. That's like all he did. Well, I'm I'm confident that, that, Jer- that Jeremiah Love could do more than that. They just didn't use him for more than that. And so there's a lot of different things you can do with Jeremiah Love. You know, jet sweeps, you can put him in, you can put him outside and, and bring him in motion, it, whether an empty out of 11 personnel, motion him back inside, do some different things with him that way. You can go 21 personnel or 20 personnel. 
and put Jeremiah outside, motion him in the backfield, use him on orbit motions, use him on jet sweeps, reverse motion, smokes, all types of things you can do with him that that not only complement Jadarian Price, but also complement Riley, because though he's a guy that you can you'll see more of to me the the pure quarterback read runs, you know. So with Jeremiah, more of the the QB power where you're really threatening the perimeter with his speed. Jadarian can as well. Because Jadarian's also very fast, but Jeremiah is just to me a guy that you're going to consistently use more on the move, because he's a guy that can do so much more in the in the in the throwing game and and on the perimeter than Jeremiah than Jadarian. So I think they complement each other differently or Riley differently, which then makes them as a group, as a duo, especially a tremendous complement to Riley. So it, it's going to be both and and. I think you're going to see Notre Dame going to every game, looking to find as many ways possible to get both of those guys to football. And then I would assume I'm, well, I shouldn't say assume. I hope that we see them together at times. And and then once you get into the game, you have a game plan built around both of them. There's going to be times when it's just, hey, this guy's hot. Let's keep riding him. You know, Jeremiah's hot. He's he's ripping this team up. Let's keep riding him. You know, or or Jadarian's ripping this team up. Let's keep riding him. And they did that a little bit in the bowl game. You saw that with with Gino Gadulli and, and Dylan McCullough in the in the bowl game, where Jadarian was hot. I mean, Jadarian was just hotter in that game than Jeremiah was, and so they kept riding him, even though Jeremiah was a starter coming into the game. There'll be other weeks where Jeremiah's hotter, and and and, and hot is is partly about the back at times. Hey, he's just he's seeing it today. It's like any other athlete, man. You're just in that zone. And I'm just, my anticipation today was just phenomenal. We just saw everything before it was going to happen, and I'm making cuts and moves and reads and and things like that. But other times, the hotness can also come from the particular blocking schemes that you have designed for that player. Hey, we're ripping this team up with our buck sweep and our counter stuff, and that's the stuff we had implemented for Jar- Jadarian or Jeremiah. Or we're ripping this team up with Duo, and that's a scheme that we had – designed more for Jadarian and Jabron Payne or Kedron Young. And so those guys may get more carries, and then you're going to do things with Jeremiah in the throwing game. And sometimes that's where, you know, the hot back comes from too. It's not so much that that the back is necessarily hotter. It's just the stuff that you've been practicing that week with that particular runner and the stuff that he's best at is the stuff you're blocking the best. And then that can lead to that's where that hot hand comes from as well. It's like, you know, it's it's not so much the back that's having the hot hand. It's also partly the running back. That's having the or the, the offensive line and the blocking scheme that's having the hot hand as well, and that can play a big factor uh, in the conversation as well. Very good, very good question, Quinn. Here's an easy one: Iden Benami is Micah Bell still the fastest on the team? Barring him having some sort of injury that we don't know about, yes, he is definitely the fastest guy on the team. The only guy that could have challenged him for fastest guy on the team is currently in Charlottesville, Virginia, as part of the University of Virginia's football team. That'd be Chris Tyree. So, uh, yes, he's still a fast guy on the team. How are you, Ryan? I missed you, man. I'm doing pretty well. And yourself? Well, far so good, man. So everything looks good so far. So let's let's keep it rocking and rolling, man. The question I had before, if you want to address it, feel free, Ryan, was basically which running back, Jeremiah Love or Jadarian Price, best um, complements Riley Leonard? It can be both. You have the option for both. But in, in, in my answer was basically they both complement him differently, which then yeah. is – why both of them complement him very, very well as a group. Yeah. Yeah. I think they both complement really well. Cause I think they're both very, I think they're both adept to, to run a lot of zone concepts. And I think honestly, one of Riley Leonard's biggest strengths is going to be out of the zone game, I think is, is what's going to really make it accentuate his strengths. So that will be, you know, whether we're talking about some inside zone, outside zone, whatever it is, I think both those players, both Jadarian and Jeremiah, both bring the explosiveness and the patience and the just ability to read some things front to back side that I think that they both can be big assets in that, in that capacity. And I also think that I also think that both players, if you're going to do some power read stuff as well, like both players have more than enough speed to be able to get to the perimeter off of the, off of like the sweep look, you know, type of situation too. Right. So and Jeremiah Love also is very as high upside as a pass receiver as well. So off of some option looks as well, if we're going to kind of extend, I, I wouldn't mind even seeing some, some, some read stuff with two backs in, in situations, right? Where you're using both love and price together. So I, it's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be really exciting. It is very talented group, very talented group. We had a question from Aiden Banami. What's up, Aiden? 
Are you guys eye test guys when evaluating players or stats and physical traits more? Well, physical All traits are of part of above. Right. I would say, I would say also physical traits are a part of the eye test as well. Like you right. can't have, you can't, I mean, if I'm watching a player, I'm looking for those physical traits. So I would say that the question, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, but I think the question that you're actually asking is, are we more film-based evaluators or are we more analytical-based evaluators? Cause I think that's mm -hmm. the separation that happens. And yeah. I think that the flaw that people get into is that you're too far one way or the other, right? Where Bingo. it's, you know, you're all film and you don't care about any size threshold or any production models or any of that type of stuff, or your PFF where all you care about is the production model. You don't care about anything the guy looks like on film. So I think you need to be a balance of both. And I think that's where the, the tug and pull really is. That's a great answer, Ryan. Uh, perfect answer. It's got to be both. It's got to yeah. be both. You got to find the sweet spot with both of them. Super chat from Anthony Solomon. Anthony just says, thanks for the show today. You are very, very welcome, Anthony. And thank you for the super chat. We appreciate that uh, very, very much. Yes, sir. I want to mix up these looks a little bit, Ryan. I'm going to bring okay. this one up here because this is a draft question. So this will be a good one. Andy Estimate Trucking LLC asks, take Drake May, put him on USC. Then take Caleb Williams and put him in North Carolina. Who has the better season? Also, why are scouts repeatedly glossing over the fact Caleb struggled against good defenses? So if I reverse the two, that's an interesting question. I think, I, I mean, I honestly, I, th I think that the results are relatively the same, to be honest. I, I don't of think what they were like, with each guy on the particular team, yeah, like with, USC's with not better team. or worse and North. Yeah. agree completely. I, I think UNC has some explosiveness, which they did at times this year. I mean, Tez Walker was a really explosive player because Drake obviously has the ability to work vertically and do those things. Caleb Williams has those as well. I think there was always going to be shortcomings though, because the pass game weapons outside of Tez Walker weren't great for North Carolina this year. Like it was and their offensive line has been awful for years. I mean, like it's just not a good unit at all. If you put Drake may into USC, I mean, I think he puts up great numbers, but you know who else put up great numbers? Caleb Williams put up great sure. numbers, right? So I think that it's not a, a ton that movement back and forth, which is why I think that ultimately, if you ask me who are the two best quarterbacks in this draft, it, it's, Caleb Williams and Drake may. And I don't think it's like a crazy separation. Like I prefer Caleb Williams slightly over Drake, but it's not like a, where I'm like, Oh my God, you're an idiot for thinking that, you know, Drake is anywhere near Caleb Williams, like those types of situations. But so I think it's about the same. And I would, I would say this though. I don't know if you heard this, Brian, there's a lot of names at USC at, at skill position this year, but I thought they played not great this year. Yes. Oh, man, Like I thought Mario Williams was bad this year. Like he wasn't good. Yeah. Marshawn Lloyd was okay, but he got banged up a little bit. And they never used him. They yeah. never used him. I mean, the last time they used Austin Jones the right way was against Notre Dame at the end of the 2022 season. I, I'm going to push back on this a little bit, number one, and is is I'm going to counter it. Why are you glossing over that Drake May struggled against good defenses? Because he did, right? I mean, Drake May played, what, two good defenses this year, Ryan? Clemson and NC State? Yep. And he got he was not very good in either of them. Well, no. I don't blame Drake May for that because I watched those games. His team was overwhelmed in both games. Yep. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, you know, I just you look at Caleb Williams and you say, well, why did he struggle against good team against good defenses? Because his team wasn't very good. But I also think that's a false narrative, to be completely honest with you, Ryan, because I, right. I watched Drake May look pretty I mean, I watched Caleb Williams look pretty good against UCLA this year, and they had a pretty darn good defense. And his team just wasn't any good. He yeah. was pretty good. His team lost, but he was pretty good. And I would counter, they lost 30 to 20. Imagine what the score would have been if they didn't have Caleb Williams in that game. You know, I watched him shred a pretty darn good Notre Dame defense in 2022 at the end of the season last year. You know, so uh, everybody talks about how how bad Caleb looked against U Utah in the, in the uh, Pac-12 title game. He had a lot of ho hollow stats in that game. But are we going to gloss over the fact that he ripped that same Utah defense up on the road in the regular season that same year in a 43 to 42 loss? Right. right? Like, let's not ignore that because we don't like Caleb Williams. Yeah. Right. That's that's the issue is there are things to pick apart about Caleb Williams game that are fair. There's things yeah. to pick apart about Drake May's game that are fair. I think Drake's big. I didn't think Drake was very good this year. But my issues with Drake are I, I, let me rephrase. I. I think Drake's ability to play to his peak was hindered by the system he played in this year and the team around him. I think it's a better way of putting it, Ryan. 
Sure. And and I don't think he was as good. The, the end result wasn't as good, nearly as good as it was a year ago with a different offensive coordinator. I just look, I get it. We don't like Caleb Williams. And, and, and I understand some of the reasons why. But what I what I can't do and what I try my best not to do, Ryan, is to apply a different standard. And, and yeah. that's something it's what I've always been bothered by guys jumping up in the rankings because they performed well at an all-star game or a camp. Well, you're arguing from a lack of data on both ends. Now, if two guys go to the same camp and they both play well and one guy outplays the other, okay, fine. That's a that's but it's when one guy goes to the camp and does well and the other guy doesn't go. That's a that that to me that's like a data point that says, hey, you know, what what are we doing here? I mean, so I just I just think the whole narrative around Caleb Williams is he's the number one guy. Notre Dame fans especially don't particularly care for him. I get it. And so we yeah. nitpick every aspect of his game. And and what I would say is here's here's one for you. Take Caleb Williams off of USC, put him at Notre Dame, put Sam Hartman at USC, then ask what happens. Because you're asking Who's better on this team, the number one pick or the number two pick? Right. Well, it's not going to change a whole lot. Notre Dame has Caleb Williams this year. Notre Dame's in the college football playoff. Agreed. End of sentence. End of story. They, they might even play for a title this year. I think they could. I think I think Notre Dame has a great chance to win a title this year if Caleb Williams is their quarterback. That's how good their defense was. So I, I just I, and, and and I would say the same thing if you took Drake May and put him at Notre Dame this year. And put Sam Hartman in North Carolina. You know what I mean? And so, uh, to me, they're clearly the two best quarterbacks in the class for me. I think there's a big separation for me between those two and whether it's Jaden Daniels or Michael Penix or Bo Nix as far as NFL draft prospects, in my opinion. But you know what, Ryan? I'd have taken all five of those kids for Notre Dame because they're all out. They were all outstanding college quarterbacks at the end of the day. Yep, they were. All right. Next question is from Kevin Park. Thank you, Kevin. How did the Irish Breakdown team come to be all together? That's interesting. Well, it's different for everybody. So Vince and I have known each other over 10 years. And when I was um, working my way out of BGI, long story, you know, Vince kind of knew what was happening. And and Vince got offered the job to stay at BGI, which I encouraged him to do. But the plan was always that when I got IB rolling, well, it wasn't IB at the time, but when I got things rolling, he would then come over with me. So Vince was always going to be part of, of it in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And all the others really come about through relationships. You know, Ryan and I uh, had a good relationship prior to, to him coming on board. And in fact, can I share the story, Ryan, of kind of how you interviewed for the yeah. job and all that? Absolutely. So I actually reached out to Ryan because I respect Ryan's knowledge. And, and he he does a lot of different things. I said, hey, man, you know, do you know anybody that would be good at that, you know, talking recruiting and covering recruiting? I'm looking to hire this. And, you know, I knew what Ryan's dreams and aspirations were. And, and they weren't necessarily this, or at least we had discussed it to where I knew if this would be the kind of thing. And so then he gave me some names. And then I think it was about a day later, you called me back. And we're like, hey, you know, would you be okay if I interviewed the job? And I was like, of course. Mm -hmm. So uh, I had three great people interview. Uh, Joe DeLeon did a great job in the interview. Kyle Kelly, who now works at On3, did a great job in his interview. And then Ryan did a great job in his interview. I just felt Ryan was the best fit and did the best job and, and would, would thrive in this role. And so that's how he came on board. But again, we had a previous relationship. You had been over my house before I hired you because you guys parked your RV yep. in my driveway when you came in town for the Cincinnati game in 2021. Yep. And then same thing with Sean Davis. You know, Sean and I have been friends for a while. And that started because Sean had asked me to come on his the ESPN Chicago show a couple times with Jared Payton. And so we had built up a relationship that way. And we'd known each other for a while. And, and of course, it worked out that way. And then I'd known Sean Styers for a while. Uh, we had worked at the same place for a very brief period of time, long, long time ago. And then, you know, he'd have me on his local radio show. Well, when that went away, I reached out to him right away and was like, hey, I'd love to have you as part of my team, laid out the vision. We went over to Penn Station, sat down, I laid out the vision for him and, you know, how it work and how the pay structure would work and all that kind of stuff. And he was on board. And so, it all came from previous relationships of people that I respected and, and trusted and, and valued the job that they did. And yep. so that's how it came together. So it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. Did I, did I represent anything incorrectly, Ryan, with, with how you got to Irish breakdown? No, it was good. It was good. I think when you write a book someday, that's um, you'll each have a chapter for each, each guy. That'd be good. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, let's get back up top. All right, we got Ida Benami. Fellas, what do you believe? Are you what your record says you are, 
as a team or can, or, sorry, or a team can be eight and four, et cetera, and still be a top five to 12 team. I'm a, I'm a, well, I don't think either necessarily represents what I believe, Ryan. I mean, you are at the end of the day, what your record says you are. If you're eight and four, you're eight and four. I think the the quality of an eight and four can be different. And I've used this example in, in 2017, Notre Dame finished the regular season nine and three. They were a much better team that year than the 11 and one team at the end of the 2021 regular season, because oh, that, that 2017 team, yeah. team and same with 2019 team that went 10 and two, you know, you're talking about a, a, a 17 team who had a one point loss to Georgia, who was the national runners up. You had a, you got spanked by Miami, who was a top 10 team at the time. You lost to Stanford, who was a top 25 team. That team also beat number 15 Michigan on the road convincingly. I mean, they had fans walking out of the stadium at the end of the third quarter. That's how bad they beat them. You beat a really good NC State team that year, like dominated a really good NC State team that year. Like you had some really good wins. You went on the road or went to a bowl game at the end of the year, beat a really good top 20, top 20 USC LSU team that year as well. You know, you smacked, destroyed a top 15 USC team. Like was it 49 to 14? I think it was the final, Ryan. Whereas the 2021 team, what was their big win that year in 2021? Wisconsin. Like they had zero (laughs) a a sub 500 Florida State team. Like they literally did not beat a single ranked team that entire year. So the yeah. record said 11 and one, but the quality of that team was not as good as the team from, from 2017. I also would not say, I, I don't know that I could buy an eight and four team being a top 12 team, unless there was a circumstance that a, a major circumstance. So let's say for example, Ryan, that next year, um, let's say I'm trying to think of a team. Let's say Carson Beck is injured and misses the first six games of the year. And Georgia goes, you know, two and four. And then he comes back and they just annihilate everybody else to play the rest of the year. And then they go to the SEC title game. They win it. They, you know, okay, now we can have a conversation about that team being in the top 12. We can have that conversation. Uh, But it would be, it would be, it would be hard for me to really buy it. That'd have to be, and I don't even know if Carson Beck's a a good enough example, right? Because I don't think he carries that team enough. But I don't know that there is a Caleb Williams, Drake May, you know, Jaden Daniels type of carry a team guy that we know of right now that's proven it. So it it would have to be a circumstance like that where it's like USC, I, I use this USC 2016 is the best example I can think of. Like they were a nine and three team that lost to Alabama by over 50. But that team that at the end of the year was not the team that lost by over 50 to Bama that year. It just was a completely different team because they had personnel changes and guys were injured that game and all that type of stuff. And so it'd have to be a unique circumstance like that. At the end of the day, if you're really a top 12 team, you don't lose four games. I mean, that's really what it comes down to in the end of the day, Ryan, is if you're a top 12 team and you're a team worthy of playing for a championship, barring some very strange circumstance that led to those four losses, you're not, you're not a playoff team in my opinion yeah. at eight and four. Well, I think I also think there's a difference between playing like a eight to 12, five to 12 team and be, and being a five and 12 team, right? Like there's a huge difference. Cause there's one, one we're talking about the recent trends and the other one we're talking about a resume and resume matters. I mean, it does. So do I believe in, your record is what you say it is. You are what your record says you are. I mostly do. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely lend more towards that, but there's always context involved, right? Like if I watch a, a, a 12 and O team where I'm just like, you know, they're imperfect, but like they just keep kind of gutting it out, but you have a feeling that it's going to get caught up with them eventually. I honestly, I felt, I felt like it about Washington a little bit this year where I was just like, Hey man, like Washington's a good team. There's no doubt, but like, they're getting away with some stuff at some points here, right? Where it's like eventually probably going to catch up with TCU last year as well. TCU was like one where you're like, yeah, TCU is a good team. But like if you watch them week in and week out, you're like, eventually some of those things are going to come back to haunt them a little bit. But then you might see them play a team that has a worse record where you're just like, I think that other team's better, like just flat out because they've done this. They went to this school in this environment and beat this team in this situation. So I think context always matters. So it's never one way or the other for me. But if you're asking me which one do I usually lean more towards, I I think that I do lean more towards your record says what you are because I do think that that resume does matter. Here's a good one. I like this one. I was trying to think about this one, Ryan, before the show, like racking my head about it. 
Gotcha. Quinn Kibler says, what quarterbacks in college football do you think take a big step forward this year? I think Aiden Childs would be one. Inter- or Aaron Childs, excuse me. Aiden Childs was a linebacker. Aaron Childs. Interesting to see how Cabe Klubnick develops too. Was just okay last year. Yeah, Cade's an interesting one, Ryan, because I really like him as a college quarterback. Like, I, you know, like I know if we're talking NFL draft, it's a different conversation because he's like six two, a buck eighty, you know. But and he, he doesn't have like a can of arm. But I, I, I remember watching him in high school and be like, man, this kid can, this kid can paint a Picasso. Man, he can just put the ball wherever the heck he wants it. And then you just haven't seen him kind of be that player at Clemson for yeah. a host of reasons. But he showed me some promise last year at times. And so the question is, is can he become that kind of guy more consistently? And I, I, it, it, we'll see. We'll see. I think the big thing for me is when Clemson got better late in the year and when Cades started playing some of his better football, it had a lot to do with they started running the ball more effectively and more often. And it took some of that pressure off him. I thought they put way too much on his shoulders last year, or especially early in the season. So he's one that's possible, Ryan. I'm not sure what you think about Cade, but uh, that that's one to, to talk about. And then we'll kind of move on to maybe some others that might pop in our heads. Yeah, I mean, I think Cade has tools. It's just it's also going to be year two under new under Garrett Riley, right? So mm-hmm. year year two maturation, hopefully under a new system. I I think we not us specifically, but I think as a collective, too many people thought it was just going to be this crazy smooth transition from one you know, one scheme to the next. And also, I don't know if there was complete autonomy from from Dabo to let Garrett Riley be Garrett yeah. Riley and to do what he wants to do. So we'll see what the maturation is there. I think it's possible. I mean, the kid, I don't think the kid's inaccurate or anything. I just think that he just didn't see the field fully last year as a full-year starter. Like, I just think there was just, you know, not reading underneath coverage well enough and just right. kind of getting spooked at times. Like, there's... There's just some inconsistencies, obviously, which is consistent of a first-year starter. I'm trying and to think guy, of like – And a yeah. guy that wasn't playing with a very good offensive line for a big right. chunk of the year. Uh, yeah. I think that helps too. I think Haynes King is a guy that could have a, a big jump this year. I don't know if his play can get a whole lot better, Ryan, other than cleaning yeah. up the interceptions, but that's always been a part of it. But I think he has a chance to become more of a, of a, of a known commodity this year when you look at the Georgia Tech guy. He's got some big spotlight games where if he can – you know, be at his best, he'll have a chance to kind of break out. You know, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about him last, but obviously, I mean, Riley Leonard is one. But I think Quinn Ewers would be one for me. And 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 with Quinn, it's not so much that I think he's going to play a ton better. It's just more about he showed flashes of being a more complete quarterback last year. Now that yeah. he's a third-year starter, can he be that and then kind of emerge as the best quarterback in college football? I mean, there's a chance for that this year. I mean, when you look at the team he's going to have around him, I thought I've said this before, Ryan. I think Cade went, or I think Quinn Ewers went from way overrated to underrated during yeah. his career. He was way overhyped coming out of high school, and that's not that's not his fault. To a de- you know, to a degree, kind of, I mean, he bought into the hype a little bit. But you've seen a kid that got humbled, and yeah. when you listen to him talk, that's a young man that's gone through a a, 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 a growth as a human the last couple of years. That's, that's made him a better quarterback, and I think if he stays that way, could make him an even better quarterback this year in a year where you've lost a bunch of the top quarterbacks in college football, I think he has a chance to be kind of become that guy as well. Yeah. There's going to be a lot more in his plate, obviously this year as well, because they lost a lot of skill position talent from last year. I mean, you're down Xavier worthy and AD Mitchell and Isaiah Nayer transferred Jadavion Sanders, uh, Brooks, the running back, Jonathan Brooks is a good player. So he's going to have to for Texas to make a smooth transition to the sec because He's going to be breaking in a lot of new guys, obviously. Right. That's so. the thing, right? He's going to have a lot of talent around him still, but it's a lot of it's new or young guys stepping in, like at running back. It's 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 Jadon Blue and and the and Baxter stepping into roles that Baxter. are more prominent than what they had last year, right. and that's where he's got to be that leader. To your point, it's a great point, right? To kind of bring them all together, like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm the quarterback. I got to lead, and that's something that we were wishing that Sam Hartman would have done last year that he wasn't able to do, which is to kind of to bring it all together and say, hey, look, it's up to you to take these young pieces and everybody else and, and get them rolling. A couple other guys, Ryan, I think Avery Johnson's a guy that's going to be become a much more prominent known player this year. I mean, he was yep. fun to watch last year coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. It's now his team. I think they're going to lean hard into the running aspect, quarterback run aspects of, of who they are, and I thought he got better and better and better throughout the years of pass. Or he's another guy that I have my eye on as, as, as having a breakout I wouldn't say he's going to have a big jump, 
because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't think he's going to necessarily be a lot better. It's just about the opportunity. And, and I think he's going to be one of those first year starters that, that that's going to be on Sports Center a lot. You know, we talked about ESPN earlier. It's going to be on Sports Center a lot because he's going to make some really ridiculous plays. He's going right. to make some mistakes. You have to deal with that. I mean, that's part of his game early on. You have to deal with that, but you, you, you deal with it because you know he's going to do some really exciting things with his arm and his legs as well. He's another guy I look at. I think Drew Aller could take a nice little step as a junior as well. Cause I mean, he was, he had some promise obviously this year, but in the big games, he was not great. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of negativity obviously there. I think that he's still a very talented kid. I think that it was a, there was a lot of issues with why receiver position needs to get a little bit more talented, but also I think that the system wasn't great last year. And then you got rid of the offense coordinator and it got worse. Who would have thought that that would have happened? But regardless of that conversation, you bring in Antti Kaltonecki, who I think is one of the best, most creative offensive coordinators in all of college football. I think they'll be able to get – dude, Nick Singleton averaged like four-point-something yards a carry last year. Like yeah, a travesty, ridiculous. travesty. So you have those very talented running backs. You have a good tight end in Tyler Warren coming back. Your offensive line should be solid. I know you lost a couple players, but it should be still be a pretty decent team. And then your wide receivers, you need a couple guys to step up, hopefully. And if they do, I think that Drew certainly has enough talent to do it. It's just he needs to be in a good system and he needs to be comfortable with what he's being asked to do. One more guy before I talk about Riley Leonard, Ryan, that I'm going to have my eye on this year, too, is Jackson Dart. I was I was never really a huge Jackson Dart fan coming out of high school. Oh, he was good last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, USC was like, whatever. He was just kind of okay in 2022 at USC. I mean, they, they tried to – they tried to out recruit him. I mean, they, they went and got yeah. uh, the Sanders kid from Oklahoma state. Cause they didn't have, I mean, they don't get him if they don't have faith in, if they had faith in Jackson dart yeah. and props to the kid, he took that challenge and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, he could have left. I mean, that's the thing is first thing, Ryan, he could have left. He could have gone in the portal and it would have been a hot commodity in the, in the, in the transfer portal. He stayed, he competed, he won the job. And by the end of the year, he's a pretty darn good quarterback, you know, yep. and, and still a little inconsistent. You know, great one week. Like, you know, look at his last five games. Great against Texas A&M. Not very good against Georgia. Great against Louisiana Monroe. Just okay against Mississippi State in some really bad conditions. And then phenomenal in the bowl game against Penn State. Yeah. So can he be more consistent? We'll see. He's going to have some really good weapons around him, man. There's no doubt about that this year because they they were very busy in the portal. And, then, and lastly, for me, we're talking about taking a big step from where he was last year, even where he was two years ago but especially from where he was last year. It's Riley Leonard at Notre Dame. I, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy that played half the year because of injuries and, you know, he's going to be, a, he's going to be, I mean, look, the, the, the argument was always, you know, when you consider how, how, what that kid had around him, he's a pretty darn good player. Well, does he respond well to having a lot more talent around him? We're going to find out, you know, can he put a team on his shoulders when it means more with all due respect to Duke just means more. There's just more eyes on you. There's more pressure. You can just kind of let loose and just go play ball and have fun at Duke. Notre Dame's a little bit different. Can he still keep his personality and demeanor? So I, I think all those things will 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 turn out to be positives. But if he if he is the quarterback that I think he can be, Ryan, and and, and I know that you think he can be, he's going to become a, a household name next season if he's that guy because he's at Notre Dame. There's no yeah. doubt. Well, we've talked about it a lot. He certainly has the talent to do so. At this point, it's about can he – Take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of him because there's certainly going to be a lot of it. We had Ida Benami says, okay with auto bids for the college football playoff or think they're ridiculous. The latter for me. I, I'm, I'm okay with, with here's my stance on that, Ryan. I'm not a huge fan of automatic bids, but I also do think there should be some reward for winning your conference. I do. Sure. I don't know that I would necessarily say that they should get the top. Like if, if I was designing it my way, I don't know if I would give them the top four seeds. I'm okay with it. I'd have to really think through what I would rather do, but my reaction is I'm okay with it. You you won a, a major conference. You're the four highest ranked conference champions. I'm okay with it because I do think there should be postseason rewards for doing great the entire regular season. And and it also removes some of the subjectiveness away because like you know people oh I can't I hate I hate that the Big Twelve team is going to get it. What what? That's all based on the perception that this league is better than that league. And while historically one league may be better over the period of time, it doesn't mean that every single year they're better than this league. That's why I think the whole notion of four Big Ten teams and four SC teams is just utter nonsense in a 12 to 14 team playoff. Because 
in some years, your four is going to be good enough to get in on their own. But years that they're not, you should not be guaranteed those bids. It's it's utter right. foolishness. And it, it's just more evidence that these leaders don't give a rip about the game. at all. They don't care one bit about the game. It's about dollars. Because when sure. we get X amount of teams committed to this, we get X amount of dollars every year. It's utter nonsense. Uh, but so I can say that's trash and still say the power four conference champions deserve a bid to the cha- to the to the playoff. We could maybe have a conversation about should they all be ranked or whatever. But do you really want to see three SEC teams get buys in the first round because their perception that they're the best team and they happen to be ranked in the top four, you know, two two Big Ten teams, two SEC teams all get buys because they're perceived to be the best league. And a team like Clemson 2018 doesn't because of the perception of the ACC. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that I want to really get into that conversation. So give me one buy for the power conferences that win the conference championship. And, and then the rest, you get it on your own merit, no matter what yeah. league you're in. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've always been okay with the automatic buy, uh, automatic buy-in for the conference champions because in most cases also there probably are the top four teams in college football most of the time, right? Like not all the time, obviously. There's always exceptions to those rules. At least they're always going to be in the playoffs. I just exactly. forgot about that. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. I think that they should be rewarded because we're, we're losing kind of that feeling of rewarding teams for being in a conference and winning a conference. I mean, that's kind of what the playoffs has taken away a little bit. So I think that you need to keep that intact a little bit. Right. I'm all for rewarding a team for winning a conference. What they're trying to do is reward a team for being in a conference. Right. And that, that I'm not okay with. And I'm not saying that you are Ryan. I'm just like, that's my final, my final point on it. We had ND estimate trucking LLC says, does anyone actually take Mel Kuyper serious? Oh, here we go. His takes at times were terrible. Will Levis last year and Jane Daniels this year going number two. And he has obvious biases. They're outdated thoughts. Well, everyone has biases, right? Everyone has biases. I mean, yep. like that, that that's not a good argument. Um I I mean, can I just say my thoughts on my Will Kuiper? Like please here, do. here's here, guys. This is this is it, right? We get mad about the mainstream draft analysts, and this is Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah and and Todd McShay, I guess, kind of sort of still, right? But like you get mad at these guys for the rank for the mock drafts they do and some of the rankings they do. You guys have to understand where that's coming from, right? You understand where that's coming from. It's the NFL. The NFL is feeding information out there, and some of it's really good information. Some of it's not great information, right? It's it's that's why we always go through smokescreen season and all this type of stuff, right? But I guarantee, and this is all due respect to Mel, I don't think Mel does as much film work as what Mel once did. All right. He does a lot of his work based upon the connections he has and what he is hearing with his ears, ultimately. So don't I mean it just is what it is. I, I don't think it's unrealistic that Jane Daniels could be the second quarterback off the board this year. I don't think it's unrealistic. Guys, I think that it could possibly happen. Ryan. Mitch Trubisky got drafted ahead of Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. That was dumb even before we knew what Pat Mahomes was going to become. Zach NFL does, number two overall. Thank like it you. All time, yeah. it, all the time. So, yeah. and again, it's it's like to your point. It's what you have to understand about mock. It's not always like what you think. Some some are. You know, it, here's what I think should happen, but it's more so a projecting what you think other people are going to do. Predictive, yeah. And yeah. and that's coming based on like what Ryan said, getting intel. I mean, there's I respect Mel Kuyper. I mean, just like I respect Tom Lemming, I don't agree with Tom Lemming all the time. Don't have to. I don't have to respect Mel Kuyper all the time, but I do think Mel works. Everyone I've ever talked to said Mel watches a ton of tape. He works he works hard at what he does. I have respect for that. You don't have to agree with someone to respect the work they put in. And just because someone has a miss, like I would say, if you're mad about his misses, then you're just biased because you can't name any other draft analyst that doesn't have equally bad misses. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, I mean, that that's part of the game. And, and there's always more things that go into players rising or falling than just the tape. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that that's part of it, too. So I, I respect the heck out of Mel. I do. Now, Mel, do I take Mel's his word Godfather as gospel? Of dra- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's the godfather of draft coverage, man. There would be no draft coverage without Mel Kuyper, guys. I hate to tell There'd you There'd be that. nobody at least getting it mad it wouldn't be as good as it is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. 
So exactly. yeah, I mean, we're just, we're just mad at someone for parlaying. I, Daniel Jeremiah says it perfectly. Daniel Jeremiah always says that his rankings are from his eyes, his mock drafts are from his ears, right? So don't get mad if Daniel Jeremiah mocks someone in a particular spot. He's mocking them there because of something that he's hearing from right. the NFL circles. I mean, that stuff happens, right? So but, I respect Mel as a. But even if they do, right? Even if it's yeah. their opinion and they're just wrong, so what? Yeah, yeah. we're all wrong about stuff. We all have yeah. misses. The only people that don't ever miss in their evaluations are people who don't make any. Like Matt That's Miller, it. who actually doesn't watch film, but yeah. <laughs> Matt Miller shade. I don't care. <laughs> I love it. I'm all for it, man. I'm all for it. Yeah.